picture this. It's your year 11 summer, the one you've been waiting for, the longest one you've had yet. You are buzzing because exams are over, you've worked really hard, and you cannot wait for prom, for summer parties, for hanging out with your friends, having sleepovers, you've got a holiday booked in August with your family, and you can't wait. Then you're at a party and there's someone there who you've known since year seven, but you've never really spoken to them before. But they're quite interesting. You share some jokes and they make you laugh a lot. They tell you some interesting stories and they even tell you that their mum goes to your church and has spoken about you at home. So when you get home, you can't stop thinking about this person. Next thing you know, they're in your DMs they've made the first move come on and you're chatting this keeps on going you talk every day and you're getting really excited they make you feel good about yourself they make you feel attractive excited you're happy you think could this be something but then really you know actually they're not a christian so you probably should run a mile but it's fun, it makes you feel good. So you just keep going, what's the harm? What harm could happen? And then one thing leads to another and you've kissed. And your feelings are really involved now. You're going back and forth with God like, could this be the right thing? They join youth, they start coming to your church and showing an interest in God. And you're not too sure if it's really genuine, but you don't really care. And you think, you know what? God works all things together for my good, right? So maybe I should go for it. You bite the bullet, you go out with them, you make it official, you tell your friends, you meet their family. It's so exciting. It's all going well. They make you feel great and you're happy. But then the relationship starts to cost you a little bit. It costs you your time, but that's okay. You're willing to give them that. You don't want to spend your time with anyone else. It starts to cost you your friendships a little bit because you cancel some plans and your friends come second to this person. Then it starts to cost you at home because you fall out with your parents about a few things. You see them more than your parents want you to and you start to even lie to them sometimes, which you've never done before, but you think, this is what makes me happy, and so this is just the cost of it. It's teething problems, it's all right, it'll work itself out. Then when you get back to school, some of your grades suffer a little bit because you're giving all your time and attention to this person, and there's not much left for school. When you're at church, and when you're praying and reading your Bible, you notice that God seems further away. He seems distant and you're aware that some of the decisions you've made aren't what you probably would have made before and you know what the Bible says and you know that you're, you're living in a way that doesn't always match up, but it makes you happy, doesn't it? And you're just getting used to it. This is just the cost of the new relationship. But then you start to argue a little bit with this person and your friendships get even worse. Some of your friends say, I've had it now, you've cancelled on me too many times. You're still falling out with your parents and you've become quite a crabby person, really. Arguing a lot and your grades are suffering. And now, little by little, brick by brick, it feels like a wall is being built between you and God. 
it feels like the thing that's making you happy is costing you the thing you used to hold most dear, your friendship with Jesus. Then arguments happen more and more with this person and the unimaginable happens, the relationship breaks down. And what are you left with? Not a lot. You've lost friends and the ones who you still have don't really like the person you've become and disagree with a lot of the decisions you've made. You've got distance between you and your parents that you've never had before and it feels really uncomfortable. Your grades are suffering. You've let yourself down and gone back on promises you made to God years before you met this person. And now it feels like there's a wall between you and God and you're alone. You feel emptier than you were when you started. This is the cost of what you thought would make you happy. And did it? No, it wasn't worth it. Now, I don't know if some of you guys can relate to that story. For you, it might not be a relationship like it was for me, but I'm sure we can all relate to the idea that sometimes we pursue things that we think are gonna make us happy and it costs us. Sometimes we have to weigh up, is it worth it? The world tells us that that is all we need. That's our purpose in life. Do what makes you happy. It's how companies market things. It's how they get us to buy things, believe it or not. Even if we don't realize we are being sold items by this idea of being happy. Get that pair of trainers because you'll look great. Everyone will love you and you'll be happy. Buy that new technology because then you'll be connected to all the people you love, the videos, the music, everything you love, and you'll be happy. Buy that new item of activewear, then you'll work out like a boss, you'll have the body to die for, everyone will fancy you, and you'll be happy. Get the grades you can, the best grades you can. Go to the university you've always wanted to go to. Get the dream career that you have been longing for and then you'll be happy. I hate to break it to you guys, but it's all a big lie. Empty promise after empty promise lets us down again and again and again. They are always broken. You see, the Bible never actually tells us that we are gonna be happy. It doesn't promise us that. It doesn't even tell us that we should strive for that. In John 10, 10, Jesus says that he has come to bring life and life to the full. That is what he has, he's come to give us. But it, he also says that in this world, we will face trials of many kinds but to take heart, for he has overcome the world. This morning, our diagnosis is the pursuit of happiness at any cost, and our medicine is to mourn. The scripture that we're going to give our focus to today is Matthew 5 verse 4, which says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. For some of us, when we hear that scripture, we think, okay, that sounds quite nice, but it's not totally relevant to me right now. My life is all right, I'm doing okay, and that seems a little bit too deep for me. But I wanna encourage you guys, if that's you, just persevere, keep going, because I think that God has something to say to each of us, to each of us this morning. So don't switch off yet. 
However, for some of us, when we hear that scripture, the morning is all too real right now and the pain just takes over. And you might be feeling, actually, God, why have you not just changed my situation? Why have you not taken the pain away? And for you, I say, I see you and I honour you for taking part, for listening today, for waiting to see what God has to say to you. Many of us have or will experience loss in our lives, whether that's loss of a friend or a family member who has died, whether that's loss of a friendship or a relationship, whether that's loss of our normal routines and our rhythms of life as we're all in lockdown again. And as a nation, we are in a current state of collective mourning and lament. In less than a year, our country has experienced more than 80,000 deaths related to COVID and more than approximately 200,000 jobs have been lost. We're in a really tough time, a time that no one ever expected and no one has ever lived through before. And it's hard. It's really hard. As British people, we're not always that good at embracing our emotions. Quite often, you hear people say things that are ingrained in our culture, like, we need to have a stiff upper lip and pull your bootstraps up, keep going, don't show that emotion, don't cry. The negative emotions are sometimes the most difficult for us as a nation to express and to embrace. So many of my friends who have spoken to in the last few weeks have said things like I don't really know why I feel so upset because I've got so many good things going for me right now and I have many things to be thankful for. I've done it myself countless times since November over the lockdown of being crying and trying to logic my way out of those tears and out of that emotional slump by saying, you know what, I'm gonna write down all the things I'm thankful for. Like, why am I sad? I've got this and this and this, and I'm happy about this. And, and that isn't bad, but it's not always right. Sometimes we need to mourn. We need to accept that we are sad. And Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now this word mourn in the passage in Matthew, in the Greek, it is a passionate word for lament. It is the strongest, the strongest word for mourning someone that's died that could be used. So we're talking about deep, deep pain. The Bible is full of mourning and lament. We have an entire book called Lamentations. Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. And by some estimation, more than half the Psalms contain some level of lament and sadness. I don't know about you, but I don't actually think that that's necessarily reflected in our current Psalms, our the songs that we sing, our worship songs. We don't often talk about this kind of mourning when we're in church or when we're with Christians, but actually it is encouraged in the Bible and it is represented in the Bible. Even just look at Jesus. 
When his friend Lazarus died, he wept, he mourned, even though he knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, he chose to enter into that mourning. Why? Because it's necessary, it's needed for us, it's medicine, it brings healing. If we choose not to mourn, if we choose not to enter into this sadness when we need to, we have a few other options, but our alternatives aren't that great. The first one might be to repress, to keep those emotions bottled up, to say, I'm fine, I'm not gonna cry, I don't wanna talk about it, and to keep it all inside, to just pretend like everything's okay. But this isn't actually helpful. At some point, we are gonna to have to deal with those emotions and often, when we bottle them up and repress them, we will experience outbursts of rage when something triggers us and touches that brokenness, that wound inside of us. But if we choose to enter into mourning with God, there is an opportunity for healing. The other option we have is to retreat, to say, I'm not gonna think about that. I'm gonna avoid my problems. I'm gonna avoid my pain. I'm gonna take my mind off it. You might um, throw yourself into schoolwork or into exercise or a hobby. You might even be pushed towards other distractions like um, video games or alcohol or sex or overeating. But this is where um, addictive habits can be formed. This is where we try to fill the pain, fill the hole with stuff that isn't gonna satisfy and stuff that in and of itself may not be a bad thing, but isn't the best thing. It isn't God, so it won't bring that healing. And when we do that, we miss out on the opportunity to allow God to enter into every part of our lives. We miss out on the opportunity to spend time in his presence. Our third option, if we choose not to mourn, is resignation. A sort of sorrow that ends in skepticism, in shutting people out, as well as God, in bitterness, struggling to trust people, struggling to love, a sort of sadness and melancholy throughout life. And this isn't healthy either. This pushes people away. But our alternative, if we choose to bring God into our mourning, is to grow in empathy, to be able to love and care for others who are going through a hard time because we have been there and God has healed us and we can minister to those and help those who are going through similar difficult times. The relationship that I told you about broke down in my life. I, I was heartbroken. I was shattered, I felt so alone. And it wasn't just that I was missing this person and mourning the time that we had together and like thinking, oh, who am I gonna text now and who am I gonna spend my time with? But I was also mourning the other things that it had cost me. I was mourning my friendships that I had lost. I was mourning the distance between me and my parents that had come. I was mourning the times I could have worked on my schoolwork and actually my grades were suffering. I was mourning the times that I disappointed God and I'd done things that I wouldn't have imagined I would have done and I'd put distance between myself and God or I'd felt like I had. I was mourning the loss of myself, the loss of just everything the relationship had taken. 
and mourning my own sin, my own selfish decisions, because we don't always just mourn an experience, we also sometimes need time to grieve for when we know we've made decisions that don't please God. But you know what? In this time when I felt more distant from God than I'd ever been, when I felt the most alone I had ever been, when I cried out to God and when I said, God, I need you. I've got no one else. I don't know what to do. I need you. He was there. And I'll tell you something, I thought it was going to take ages to build up that closeness with God again. I thought I'm going to have to work really hard to get back in his good books because I've let him down so much. But you know what? As soon as I said, God, I need you, he was there. All I had to do was turn to him. And it's like Ross was saying last week, we can never earn God's closeness, God's favour, God's acceptance. And so there's no point trying. It's a waste of time because we just can't earn it. But when we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. And that's a promise. That's in the book of James. So when we're mourning, we just have to say, God, I want you to be part of this. I need you to cry with me. I need you to comfort me. And he does. For me in that moment, I understood what it meant when Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is called the comforter. And I have never experienced closeness with God in the same way that I had then. I would come home from school and I mean, granted, my friends didn't really want to hang out with me and I didn't know what to do with my time. But I genuinely wanted to go home and read my Bible. That's something that I never had done before. And that came out of mourning with God, choosing to enter into that blessed morning where God can comfort you. Psalm 51 verse 12 and 17 says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. Now you might be thinking, I am so hurt, I am so broken, whether that's from something that's happened to you, an experience, whether it's this lockdown, the whole pandemic, whether it's your own sin, a broken relationship or decisions you've made which you wish you hadn't. But you know what, when we offer God the sacrifice of just who we are, when we say, God, I am broken, but here I am and I'm yours, he will never despise that. He will come close to us and build us back up. So my question for you, youth, this morning, is what do you run to in times of hardship, in times of trouble, in times of pain? Are you trusting in yourself? Are you trying to figure this out on your own and work it out in your own strength? Are you running to friends or experiences to numb the pain? Because we need to stop trying to have this British stiff upper lip, I won't show my emotions, I'm tough, I'm fine. We need to embrace these emotions. We need to embrace the lament, the mourning, the pain. Because in that moment, in that place, we will meet with God, we will be comforted. We need to enter into the sort of morning that says, Jesus, I need you to sit with me. I need you to cry with me. That asks God to come in instead of pushing him away and blaming him. That says, 
God, even if you don't take this situation away, I need you to be with me. And he will. We need to hold lightly the things that we think will make us happy, the things that we can cling on to so tight that there's no more space for God. And we need to allow him to minister to us in our brokenness and in our pain. And you might not be experiencing this right now, but you will at some point. We all go through times of suffering and times of pain, and you will. So what are you going to choose? Are you going to run to um, your own strength and trying to just get on and push on? Are you going to pretend that everything's okay? Or are you going to run to Jesus? Are you going to just get on your knees, lie on the floor, cry and just say, God, I need you with me and allow Jesus to just cry with you and find healing in that brokenness? Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you know our pain, you know our hardship, and you are with us in this hard time. Thank you that you, even though you don't tell us everything's going to be okay, you do promise us that you'll be with us in the pain, Lord God. And I just pray for anyone listening this morning who is going through a hard time, anyone listening who is mourning and grieving and lamenting, God, would you help them to draw near to you? And would you draw near to them in that moment? God, would you heal broken hearts? Would you bind up our wounds? Would you bring restoration to situations that are broken? Would you bring healing to family members that are dying? God, would you, would you just break through? God and would you help us to draw close to you and to mourn and to know that you Holy Spirit are our comforter in Jesus name Amen